Love this time of year. So many family, friend gatherings, and just time together. And I find, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes the way kids who are growing up and they're experiencing Christmas and getting it, uh, one person wrote and they said this. They said, when my niece was a student, her class of six-year-olds sang, Hark the Herald Angels Sing at a Christmas Concert. The line, God and Sinners Reconciled, was a tricky one for this age group. One little boy with a voice that completely drowned out the rest of the choir, happily belted out, God and sinners dressed in style. <laughs> Just kids, right? Right? He, sort of, he, was, he said it with enthusiasm, and <laughs> God and sinners dressed in style. Well, maybe. Uh, a lot of good-looking people out here today, and those of you engaging online, glad to have you with this as well. Um, what actually is the meaning, the wonder of the Christmas event? We started a new series last week, and the premise is this, that Christmas makes a lot more sense when you know how the story begins, right? When you know how the story begins. That's why we've called it Creation to Christmas, that if you miss the beginning of the story, what it is that really happened that made Christmas a necessity, it's sort of like walking into the intermission of a play, we said, and, and you get there and you're sitting down, you're like, okay, I'm sort of lost here. I don't know the narrative of what took place. What are these characters? What's the significance? How does this all? And that's a little bit what it's like when we drop into Christmas and we don't know what's gone before it helps if you know how the story begins. A person who's dropped into Christmas and doesn't know how the story begins might go, okay, so time out a second here. If Christmas is the solution, then what's the problem? If Christmas is the answer, then what's the question? Like when we sing joy to the world, the Lord has come, well, why, why is that the reason for joy? Like how, how can I experience that in my life? And and what was it like before that? Why was there joy that there hadn't been before? So in this new series, my hope is that we'll have a lot better grasp on the wonder of Christmas, what it's all about, and why it truly is one of the highlight events to celebrate, not only in the calendar year, but in all of history. So last week, part one, we looked at how Jesus has rescued us from the curse that came into our world with a giant infection, like a giant infection, right? And, and, and we, you can watch it online if you want and go, go back. But what we said was this. We made this 2,000-year connection, or however many years it is, between Genesis chapter 3, where it all begins, and Galatians chapter 3. And we said, let's look and see what happened with the curse, this infection. How does that in, uh, impact our lives? And what did Jesus do when he came the very first Christmas? And it's not just some ethereal kind of thing where we go, well, you know, it's sort of cool, there's this curse. No, this is like personal because all of us are born, we said, under a curse. And Jesus came to release you from that curse and to release me. And when we encounter him personally and we have a relationship with him, we're free from the curse and it makes all the difference in your life and in your eternity. So today I want us to look at this. Not only the curse, but let's talk about pain. You know what I found is that uh, Christmas, like any other time of year, do you ever have people that are like, hey, how you doing? And life is sort of like two rails. You have the good stuff and you have the tough stuff, right? So someone asked me, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I think Ohio State's gonna be back in the college football playoffs. I mean, like, I'm really excited about that. 
right? Anybody, anybody you know, and, and I'll go and, I, and I'm going to see my kids after Christmas and stuff like that. But if you said, how are you doing? Like, what about, I'd say, well, there are some other things in my life that are, that are painful, right? We, we all have it. I, I'm sure you do as well that you say, if I were to ask you, how, how are you doing? Like, I want to know the good and the bad. I want to know both rails that you'd say, there's some challenges I face. Pain comes in all shapes and sizes. Maybe you have a child that, you know, is um, making some decisions that you're really burdened about. Maybe you're married and your marriage is on the bubble and you're going to these holiday parties or gatherings and you go, I'm, I'm just playing pretend. Like, it, we're, we're like falling apart on the inside and we're acting like it's good and it's, it's not. Maybe your body isn't cooperating. You've got a chronic illness. Could be there's gonna be a tough year financially for you and you go, I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Maybe you're sideways with the person that you thought we had such a close relationship in Christmas, we used to hang out together, maybe family member or friend, and now it's just weird between us. And pain comes like in lots of different ways. So what does Christmas mean in terms of the pain that we encounter? Sometimes it's a silent pain, right? Um, Harvard Graduate School did a study last year in 2021, and they found, listen to this, they found that in the wake of the pandemic that 36% of Americans reported feeling lonely frequently or almost all the time. 36%, frequently or almost all the time. While loneliness has often been associated with old age, this study found that 61% of young adults ages 18 to 20 reported serious loneliness. 61% of young adults. Maybe that resonates with you. You go, oh yeah. And what you know is that you, this isn't something strange happening to you. By the way, if you're a young adult, that's why we have a young adult group that meets uh, every Wednesday night, 18 to 30-year-olds, and they just, they're really forming a sense of community. But we live in a tough world, don't we? It might not even be something out there in your life. It might just go, I, I don't know why, I just feel lonely. Like, I, I feel this sense of, like, I, I'm not where I want to be in life, and we live in a tough world. And whatever it is today that you'd say, I have the good stuff that I really love in my life, but I have some challenges in my life right now, maybe an unanswered prayer, something that you, you're longing for, whatever it is. And, you know, the Bible uses a word that describes that kind of pain. And it's the word, it's we groan. We groan. Would you say that word aloud with me? Ready? Groan. It's an onomatopoeia. That's not a kind of bacteria. Uh, some of you know your literature, you're like, what is that? That's right, remember when the word sounds like what it means, like buzz or clunk or whisper. And groan is one of, you feel it in your chest, right? You, you, sort of the vowels just sort of extend out, I, I groan, right? Because, in, because it's just like the suffering, the the challenge that we face in life. So here's the question, wherever it is, you might not use that word a lot, but whatever the pain is and you go, there are times you just go, oh man, can't believe it. I just, it's grown. What, what, where is God when you groan? How does Christmas make a difference in your groan? You know, I, I think what we're gonna see today is when you put your trust in Jesus, he, he gives perspective in your pain. He doesn't release you from pain. We're gonna see in a second. But you can know something about your pain for which Christmas makes all 
the difference in the world. If you have your Bible, let's start with Romans chapter 8. It's the sixth book of the New Testament, and, um, and also notes, your, all the passages I'm going to mention, because we're going to be flipping around here, is, are on the sheet that you got on your way on the tables. If you missed that, on our homepage, gracecma.org, just go there and you'll see uh, the bulletin. There's printable notes or fill-in notes that you can do. Want to say hi to all of you at Olmsted Falls Campus. Really glad to have you with us. Our, those of you engaged online from different places around the state and the nation. And then guys at Lorraine Correctional. Uh, it is uh, really gl- good to have you with us. And we look forward, I look forward to being back with you in the coming weeks. We just celebrate the baptisms and other things God is doing there. By the way, for all of us at each of our campuses, you're going to see a, a, something on the screen here that uh, we're doing a new Bible uh, reading plan for 2023. It's a little bit slower pace this year. It's through the New Testament. It's less than a chapter a day. But there's videos that go along with it explain the historical, cultural significance, themes through the New Testament. It's going to be great. It's free, and, and you can do it with us. It's one of the best ways to grow your walk with Jesus. So wanted to just put that in your brain. One of your New Year's resolutions, if you have no other one, that's your one right there, Okay. Uh, Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 20. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Verse 20. Against his will, all creation was subjected to God's what? That's what we looked at last week, right? We turn our backs on him and and there was a curse. We, We know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also what? So creation groans and believers in Jesus groan. In other words, when you put your trust in Jesus, your, your pain doesn't evaporate, right? There are some people who think, when I put my trust in Christ, he's just gonna take care of it. And it doesn't, you're like, wow, I still, I still have the pain that lingers in my life, but something changes for you we're gonna see today. But all of us have pain, like we have grief. We have the, the sense of whatever it is for you loneliness or heartache, and the psalmist cries out to God in verse 77, and he says this. These are the verses at the top of your notes. It says, I remembered you, God, and I what? I groaned, I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. My spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Let me just say, first of all, this is the psalmist of guy after God's own heart. It's okay to ask God questions, and maybe you have. You're like, God, have you forgotten me? Have your promises vanished? Do you no longer show mercy? Are you gone AWOL? God, where are you? We groan, and we cry out to God, so how does... Christmas make a difference. I want to just trace this word a little bit through the scripture just real quickly and see how Jesus answers our groans. If you have your Bible back in Exodus chapter 2, it's the very first mention of this uh, word groan. And what we see is how people sometimes groan in times of national crisis. Exodus chapter 2 verse 23 Moses uh, is just coming onto the scene. Uh, Joseph has died, and he had this place of favor, but it, it changes, and here's what happens. Verse 23, years passed, and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to what? Groan under their burden. Does it happen today? 
We have another mass shooting or someone here in Cleveland who's going to sell his PlayStation and he ends up being shot and killed in the process last week and we groan over that. There's injustice. You see people mistreated and it's on YouTube and, and you go, we, we groan over that. We, we groan over a pandemic and we groan over families and communities that are split apart over differing views and you just go, God, I look around me and I just look at our country and I look at the world and, and we call out to God for help. We groan. Sometimes groans come when we've messed up. If you turn over a few books to the right, Joshua and then Judges, Judges chapter two, and uh, Judges two is a time when the people kept on turning away from God. And, and you read one of the cycles here, what happened, it says in Judges two, verse 17, it says, the people turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. In other words, the kids aren't doing what the parents did in their faith. And they were groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. So sometimes we groan when we've messed up, right? It's a consequence of our own decisions. You look back and you go, what was I thinking? Why was, I, I must have been young and dumb. Or maybe I wasn't young, I was just dumb, right? And you go, I, 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 I did something, I've, I've hurt the people in my life, I don't even know how to make it right. And you look and you go, I'm, I'm experiencing the consequences of my own behavior. This is what they were doing in Judges. And we groan over that. We go, God, I, I feel horrible for the kind of decisions I made and how that's impacted people I really care about. We groan, we groan over that. But then, but then there's a kind of pain and groaning that's confusing because suffering comes even when we've walked faithfully with the Lord. Turn with me to Job chapter 3. Job comes just before the book of Psalms. Don't know exactly when Job lived. Some people think it was really early in human history, but his name has become associated with massive suffering. And he's an example of how pain and suffering can come into our lives even when we walk with integrity. This is where it's confusing because we all want to answer the question why. Like, we face something, we're like, okay, what did I do wrong? God must be punishing me. Something I did and whatever. And, but listen to what it says about Job. Here's how the book begins, chapter one. We're going to get to chapter three in a second, but chapter one, it says, in the land of Uz, there was a man named Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. This was a I mean, wouldn't you want that to be said about you, that you were blameless and upright, you feared God and shunned evil, and so he's a guy with integrity, he honors God, he cares about people, and what happens? He experiences one loss after another. First, he, he, all of his children are killed in, in an accident. Horrific. Then he loses his business. I mean, everything he owns. This was before the days of State Farm. You know, there was no recourse. Like, he was, he was done. He was in poverty. And not only that, then his body, his, he gets his horrible disease, a skin condition. The guy lost everything. And in the midst of that, in Job chapter three, verse 24, li listen to what Job says. He says, I cannot eat for sighing. You ever, you ever had pain to the extent where you go, I just lost my appetite? Yeah, you have that? When, I, when that happens to me, I know that I'm in a lot of pain, like deep, deep pain. Right, but Job says that's the kind of pain he was in. I cannot eat for sign. My groans pour out what? Like water, like not dripping. They just, my groans just come out. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. What a word picture. 
He says, my groans pour out like water. Well, you get the picture. Whether it's a national kind of groaning, if, if it's because of our own behavior, if it's even when you're doing what's right, just the brokenness of the world crashes into your life, and you go, God, my life, I just, I feel this pain. It wasn't just then, this is now, right? You feel it, I feel it. That we go through stuff, and maybe you're going through, you're facing something right now, that you just say, yeah, I, I, I'm there. So here's the question. How does God meet us in our groaning? and our pain. What, what, what does this have to do with even Christmas? You know, I think when we ask these questions, there are times if we're honest, we can say, God feels so far away. Have you been there? We just go, it's like he's silent? Is he aware of what I'm going through? Like, the, do my prayers reach beyond the ceiling? Maybe you begin to have doubts. It's, it's okay to doubt, by the way. A lot of Bible people doubted people in history. Doubt means that you, you're, you're reaching out in some way. Say, I, I, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief because right now I just don't, I don't see you coming through. And we can feel like God is absent and it's a dangerous thing to live by feelings, isn't it? Because when you're, Live by feelings, you can just be cared about like the waves of the sea. And so what do we do? We come back to what we say. These are the facts of God's word, what I know to be true. What do we know to be true? What do we know to be true? Friends, here's what we know. We know about the reality of God's presence. I want to do a quick overview of how God responds to our groans and why you and I today really live in the best time of history. Uh, you'll see if your notes, if you're following along, just three sort of acts of God's interaction with people. And first in the Old Testament, God is pictured as being what? Above us, right? The exalted God who sort of bends down to meet the needs and to hear the pain of the oppressed. In Exodus chapter two, you don't have to turn there, but it says the people cried out for help. Their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise, and he looked, what? Down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. So God reaches down to deliver them. He hears. He responds. He cares. And writers of the Old Testament scriptures couldn't get over the fact that God would care enough, the almighty God, to hear them and to care about them and to deliver them. And when you read the Old Testament, you're sort of, you're comforted by the astonishing truth that God actually hears our prayers and listens to our groans. But there's a question we can ask, a fair question, and it's this. What about the times that God didn't appear to answer? What about the long stretches of time where like the people are enslaved and they wait for hundreds of years, not three years, not 30 years, hundreds of years and they're calling out to God and they, many of them die in the process and they're going, I, I never saw an answer to prayer. What about those times? What about the times when widows called out to God to spare their husband and their husband died or they lost a child or what about the times that there was injustice that, that occurred and then you come to the end of the Old Testament and, and the book of Malachi is written, or for those of you who are Italian, Malachi, uh, however you like to pronounce it. And after the book of Malachi, there's, there's how many years of silence? 400 years. No intervention of God that we hear about. No word from the Lord that is spoken. 400 years, and they, they may have wondered, like, has God left us? Is he done? Are his ears 
deaf to her groans. Well, God, God answers in, in an amazing way. And the next step, an astounding step, is, is, is this. The answer to the question came in the person of a baby boy born a few miles south of Jerusalem in a town called Bethlehem. When God in the person of Jesus took on real human ears and heard the groans of people as he walked the streets of his country. If in the Old Testament God is above us, what we find in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that God is is with us. He is Emmanuel. That's what the name means. God with us. It's a miracle of Christmas that God steps in and he actually becomes one of us in a human body. He not only hears our groans, he actually walks with us and experiences our groans. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but verse 15, the writer says this, this high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Friends, listen, in some incomprehensible way, because of Jesus, God hears our groans differently, right? It's not just from up above. He actually becomes one of us. And he doesn't just hear our groans. God groans himself in the person of Jesus. Remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross, And some of the words he speaks are a quote from Psalm 22 when he says, my God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken me. This is Jesus speaking to his father. He's quoting Psalm 22, which goes on to say, why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Jesus groaned. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night and am not silent. You see, we no no longer need to wonder, does God really know what I'm going through? Does he get it? Can he feel what I'm going through? By joining us on earth that very first Christmas, Jesus gave credible historical proof that he feels our groans. Isaiah 53 says this, he was a man, Jesus was a man of what? Sorrows, acquainted, familiar with grief. So God was above us, reaching down here in our groans, then he became with us, but there's one more. Back to Romans 8, let's, let's end where we began, Romans chapter 8, and what we read, the, new, the letters of the New Testament writers tell us that God isn't just with us, he is now what? Within us that Jesus comes to live in us the moment we put our trust in him. Jesus says, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. He says, my spirit's going to come and take up residence in your life. And listen what the spirit does. Romans chapter eight, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with what? With groanings. There it is again that cannot be expressed in words. Paul is saying we don't always need to figure out exactly what to pray for. You can have something like, we pass out prayer cards here at Grace and you can you know, organize your prayer life, which is great. But sometimes when you feel overwhelmed, sometimes when your heart is crushed by pain, he says, don't despair, God hears you. This is a level of closeness with the Lord that had never before been experienced, that the Holy Spirit 
He, he, he translates our wordless pain. He interprets our groans. You might have words come out of your mouth, you're not even sure what you're saying. And the Holy Spirit takes those before the Father. In my years of being a pastor, I have walked with some people in horrific grief. I've stood next to parents by the lifeless body of a child, and we've, we've just cried. There's really no words in a moment. I've been at that scene too many times. Or an overdose or a suicide or whatever it might be. I've been with individuals who have found out from their spouse that the marriage is over and they knew things weren't great, but they're, they're crushed. They're crushed that the dreams that they had are now gone. Or I've been with people who have found out about a diagnosis and we're looking forward to years together or family or whatever and travel and they find out they have 12 months to live at the most. What do you say in a time like that? There are times I feel like as a pastor I'm supposed to have words to say and, and, and at times I've, I've just heard people groan like guttural cries and my confidence is this, that the Holy Spirit translates our wordless pain. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. We don't even know what words can come out. But the Spirit of Jesus takes your groans and he interprets them to the Father. And can I tell you, pastors aren't immune. There are times that I, I, I just groan out to God in prayer. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what to pray Friends, Paul's words are true that the Holy Spirit who lives in every person who follows and trusts Christ, he's able to detect needs that our hearts can't articulate. When we don't know how to pray, he fills in the blanks. Our weakness opens a window for his strength. What a great God he is. A few verses later, Romans 8, 31, Paul writes, and if God is for us, how does he finish it? Who can be against us? He's the one who came that very first Christmas, right? So let me just ask this as, as we close. What's our part? Like when you face adversity, whatever kind of pain, when I have someone who says, John, what am I supposed to do? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus in faith. You know, in our suffering, we might ask why. God, why has this happened to me? We say, why, why, why is this prayer unanswered, God? Why, why haven't you given us a baby? Why haven't you healed this person? Why haven't you given me that promotion? And we may never get an answer to the question why. Can I tell you something? God's answer is almost never an explanation. It's a promise. You may not get an explanation this side of heaven, but you do have his promises, and with faith in the Lord Jesus, we can, we can bank on who he is, his character. He might work. He might do a miracle. There's more chapters to be written, but can I read what the ultimate chapter will be like? Here's what he says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. We have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. What a day that will be. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. 
But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait how? Patiently and confidently. So best of all, the scriptures point us to a day when there will be no more need for groaning. Amen? I mean, there's not going to be any sickness or pain or divorce or all the crap of this world, if I can use that word. No more groaning. So our why isn't always answered, but we have the answer to the question, who? Who's with you? Who hears you? Who cares for you like nobody else? Who responds to you in your groaning? Who hears your groaning? And t- Jesus. Jesus, by his spirit, is with you and in you. And so we have the promise of 1 Peter 5, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. You'll see in a prayer in your notes where you can do that. Friends, let me close with this. You know, Christmas, some people, we have this view of the first Christmas as, you know, it's this time where there's sort of snow falling and Joseph and Mary, it's this beautiful, they chose this setting because they knew one day there'd be a manger scene in homes around the world. Not. <laughs> Joseph's reputation was in shatters, right? And, and you know, because he, people thought his fiance had been sleeping around. Mary is, I mean, she had no OBGYN, right? Um, I don't think my wife would want to give birth in a barn um, with a husband who didn't know what he was doing. The shepherds are terrified when they look out. The wise men have traveled, you know, forever, and they're tired. And the whole, it's just a stress-filled environment, right? Sort of like maybe what you experience today. And, and you, you maybe have some kind of heartache that you bring, so what do we do? Friends, you live in one of the best times because you live on this side of Christmas when God himself broke into our world and he, he feels our groans. He groaned himself and today he comes to live in you and you put your trust in him. And he takes your groans. I mean, he, he doesn't just hear them. He interprets them. He takes your wordless pain and he responds. And one day if you trust in him, you're gonna be in a place where you'll groan no more. And it's gonna be amazing. So that's how the story begins. There's a lot of groaning, and we have a little baby who came into the world, and he changed it ever all. Turn to Jesus, look to Jesus, and let him be the king of your life. Let's tell him that together. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, what a savior you are. That you would feel the weight of what this world brings our way You felt loneliness, Lord. You'd be in that 36% or 61%. You felt that when people betrayed you and walked away from you. You called out you, even your own father. You felt it forsaken you. So Jesus, thank you for being near, for being our Emmanuel, God with us, and really God in us. So today we just wanna say, Lord, we're looking to you. We trust you. We believe in you, Lord. Help us in those moments when we doubt. And thank you that we can look forward to that day when we will groan no more. All possible because you came into our world. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.